for an organization to really mature around application security, they need to be building security into their software from day one. Welcome to OWASP 24-7, sponsored by the Open Web Application Security Project, improving the security of software. With support from Sonatype, a trusted partner for open source governance, management, and compliance. This is your host, Mark Miller. Jim Manico started the OWASP podcast series in 2008. In that time, he has recorded close to 100 interviews and kept the community updated on the latest project development within OWASP. As Jim reaches his 100th episode, he reminisces about how the series was started, what his original vision was, and what he's going to do now that he has passed the reins over and moves on to other projects. We start with a question about the origins of the OWASP podcast project and how it grew. Hi, my name is uh, Jim Manico. I'm the VP of Security Architecture at White Hat Security. I'm one of the global board members of the OWASP Foundation, and I'm the the founder of the original OWASP podcast back in the day. I, I think people would be interested, especially the newer members. How did the podcast get started? How did the series get started? When I first joined OWASP back in 2008, I was just amazed at all of the incredibly intelligent people and intelligent conversations going on in the OWASP community. And I just wanted to capture that. There are some things you can't capture in text and some things you can't capture um, over the phone. I wanted to, to really capture high quality interviews in a podcast format. And so I just started doing it. You know, I didn't really ask permission. I just, I just decided to do it. And uh, we kicked off our first show actually in November of 2008, where I had a news commentary show with our Shandabir Shiagi, Jeremiah Grossman, myself, and Jeff Williams. So that was our first show back in November of 2008, and I should be putting out show number 100 at the end of this year. One, so five years, 100 broadcasts, mm -hmm. 13,000 listeners. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you. That's very kind, and I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm ready to sunset the podcast. I, I, I just don't have time on the road to, to work on it. I'm really happy to be passing the ball over to you, Mark. And I see you've already been cranking out podcasts at high speed already. So I, I definitely want to encourage that. And Mark, this is an important idea that we need to talk about at OWASP. There comes a time where people start projects. Right. There comes a time where people are passionate and putting a lot of time into their projects. But there's time where people walk away from their projects. So I think that a graceful handoff to other folks who are really willing, able to do the work that's critical for the well-being of OWASP projects in general. So when I hand off the podcast, it's with great enthusiasm that you're willing to, you know, grab, grab your hands around it and make it something special that's, uh, that's to your liking. You know, I'm, I'm in 100% agreement about the idea of projects out-aging the generator of the project. When you first started the podcast, did you have a vision or just kind of morphed into what it is now? Well, I, I had a vision, but I don't want to put my vision onto you. My vision is just the way I ran the podcast. And I really encourage you as you take it over to make it your own and have a different vision. I completely support that. My, my vision when I started the podcast was around two things. 
where the first thing was highly produced shows. So I would go through every single podcast and I would edit out all the ums and the ahs and people misspoke sentences and tripping over different sentences. And I, it was a highly produced, edited show to make it easier on the ear listening. The, the trade-off for that was I put out a lot less shows. It took so long to edit and produce a show to manually edit out every um that it ended up being less shows than I wanted. That's the trade-off. Mm -hmm. The other piece that I had was, as best I could, anti-commercialism. I didn't have a sponsor for the show. It was just trying to be a, a vendor-neutral show. Those are the two founding principles I had, and I encourage you to change them any way you see fit <laughs> as you take over as executive producer of the podcast, Mark. When you're looking at this, your podcasts are running about an hour. What's the advantage and disadvantage to the 15 minutes versus the hour? And it's just it's just a trade-off. Both have their value. I think with 15-minute shows, you can do a lot more. You can spit out a show at any time. You can re record a show at one time. The overhead for that show becomes less. The the trade-off of having a longer show. I've had some shows that are hour and a half, two mm -hmm. hours, which is kind yeah. of the, the standard that I originally wanted. So I can go deep into certain topics, depth over, over breadth. But um, it's just a trade-off. One's not right. It's just a difference. So... You know, I encourage a mix of all kinds of shows, but it's really, but you know, who's the producer now? It's you. So you do what works for you, Mark. What else are you working on with OWASP? I have a, my hands in a lot of, a lot of things. Like, uh, the, the things that interest me the most are secure coding projects. So I have like a, like a trilogy of secure coding projects that I, I assist with in some way. First of all, there's the OWASP cheat sheet series. Yeah. This is a series of like one to two page prescriptive guidance uh, guides on secure coding or or pen testing the goal was to make a very short like i liked long podcasts but i like short documentation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which means i like to hear myself talk a lot but i really don't like uh, to, to read that much no I'm, I'm just kidding there I, I like the easy to read easy to consume guides for developers so if they want to learn about cross-site scripting they can get a one pager on it instead of, instead of having to read it read a book on it right. just a just a trade-off i think when we're thinking even about the OWASP top 10, if each of those top 10 could have their own cheat sheets associated with them, it makes it really easy to consume and get the gist of what's going on. And that's exactly what we've done. In fact, when it comes to some topics, we've had multiple cheat sheets on just that one topic. Some of the OWASP top 10 items are very broad, and so we can break down those topics into several granular uh, smaller topics which we have cheat sheets for. So there's an OWASP top 10 cheat sheet, there's a cross-site scripting cheat sheet, there's a cross-site scripting prevention cheat sheet, there's a cross-site scripting attack cheat sheet, there's a DOM cross-site scripting cheat sheet. So even one topic we've broken it up into many cheats if you would. The other projects I'm working on, would the other projects I put time into would be the OWASP Java encoder project and the OWASP HTML sanitizer. These are single-use secure coding libraries bitten by, written by really deep experts. So the, the OWASP Java Encoder project is a single jar drop-in encoder for the user interface to stop cross-site scripting, written by Jeff Ikonowski, a compiler theory robotics PhD student who really knows his stuff. The other project I'm supporting is the OWASP HTML Sanitizer. This is written by Michael Samuel, from the Google AppSec engineering team. And it's a library to help sanitize untrusted HTML, one of the defenses needed to stop cross-site scripting. So these are the, the projects I'm interested in and, and support at OWASP in some way. You've been traveling a lot. You and I are on the road quite a bit. What are you seeing? Is there 
a continuity or a consistency in the concern about security in different parts of the world? OWASP is trying to be global. So what are you seeing on your travels here? I would actually say no, and I think it really depends upon that country's breach notification laws. Like I was recently in Malaysia. They have no breach notification laws. There's a culture to not talk about it, so awareness around these security issues are much less. It's not something that's talked about. Companies aren't forced to discuss when they've been hacked. Where in Germany or the U.S., we have much stronger laws that forces a company to discuss when they've been breached in some way. So some people still do not do not discuss it for whatever reason. The more a country forces companies and organizations to disclose if they've been breached, then the higher chance that they're going to have awareness in that country around these security issues. And that aside, that's just one little point. That aside, in general, people are becoming more aware about security as we see all kinds of high visibility breaches across the world. Whether they're notifying, not notifying us or not about it, we just see these events more often, which gives a lot of people awareness around the topic of security. Where does OWASP fit into that? OWASP really focuses on application security, of course, and that's one element to information security. It tends to be an element around information security that is very different than the traditional information security culture. Traditional security professionals are network administrators, infrastructure security folks. They're worried about things like installing antivirus, patching, network topography, and network ACLs and routers, traditional security expenditures on the network. And all of this stuff is useless in the face of application security, where now we have to deal with application-specific pen testing and services and encouraging developers to write code differently and the secure SDLC, it's a whole different culture of security. And I think the industry is still going through that transition. I, I would agree. A lot of the things that I'm seeing, it, it's frustrating that the tradition is so deeply embedded at where security resides that what we need to do as a culture is to move it into development as much as possible so that it's at the development level, not at the production level, and try to stop the holes after it's rolled out. I, I believe that very much so, where for an organization to really mature around application security, they need to be building security into their software from day one. There's a lot of situations where that's not possible though, Mark, like when you have like legacy systems that are yes, insecure or right, you have like right. commercial off the shelf software or you just have too many programs and too much software and not enough developers. So it's easy to talk about the purity of secure software development, but managing a fleet of already insecure apps, which many big companies need to deal with, that's an equally difficult problem that you can't just write some code and fix it all. It takes different kind of discipline to approach. So this is a really hard problem. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the legacy is the elephant in the room. All the people that like me that are talking about moving into the development life cycle, we can't forget about the 25 to 30 years of legacy code that's sitting out there, right? And I'm with you, I'm a big fan of secure coding and secure software development and secure software life cycle. I'm into all of this and think it's fundamental, but it really dep depends on the company. It depends on the, the staff and the programming 
another technical staff they have. It depends on the application they're working on and their budget. Depends on what customers are driving. So it depends. Do I go SDLC first? Do I go secure coding education first? Do I just go and assess right away? Do I do code review right away? Do I work on changing processes around the company? Um, Open SAM is a good map to address some of these things. Mm -hmm. But even then, it's really contextual to what people are doing. And that's why uh, making decisions around application security are so difficult. There's no like one stop shop answer to this. Right. I've been talking to Jim Manico, the originator of the OWASP podcast series. Thank you, Jim. Mark, I'm really excited that you're taking over the podcast. And if I can be of any help, let you know. But without any doubt, everyone, this we're here with Mark Miller, the new executive producer and host of the OWASP podcast, <laughs> OWASP 24-7. Thanks, Thanks everyone. have been listening to OWASP 24-7 with your host, Mark Miller. OWASP 24-7 is sponsored by the Open Web Application Security Project, improving the security of software. With support from Sonatype, a trusted partner for open source governance, management, and compliance.